it's been a really, really surreal, overwhelming experience here in the city. Literally went to sleep on Wednesday, I think it was the 14th, and when I woke up on Thursday, everything was different. Welcome to Finding the Helpers, presented by Playing to Live. I'm Kristen Ramsey. And I'm Alexis DeCosmo. What you're about to hear are the voices and stories of those on the front line of the COVID-19 pandemic. What they are seeing, what they are feeling as individuals, and how they are coping. That, in combination with some immediate self-care and grounding interventions from the Playing to Live clinical team. Some of what is shared may be hard to hear, so please make sure to take care of yourself. Our first guest is someone I know dearly. Morgan and my history go back almost 10 years, gallivanting on our mountain bikes in the North Carolina mountains, sharing stories as roommates, and many other memories. Morgan moved up to New York City to continue her studies in journalism, where she fell in love with the courier lifestyle. When COVID hit, I followed Morgan's story on Instagram as her passion grew. I'm so proud of her volunteerism, leadership, honesty, vulnerability, and bravery. My name is Morgan Sykes, and I moved to New York City from Asheville, North Carolina in 2016 to study journalism in a master's program at NYU. So long story short, I got my master's. I got hired on full-time at New York Magazine, but unfortunately, after working there for a year, I was part of mass layoffs in February of 2019. And that was very wrenching for me. And so I, I was feeling kind of um, burnt out on media, which is how I fell into working at a bike shop and also how I started working as a bike messenger in New York City. I really like kind of fell in love with it. There is no analog for the experience of riding your bike um, on the clock in New York. And as a woman, it's just a very interesting experience taking up space and not letting fear get to you and not letting yourself get pushed around by cars. But unfortunately, last year was the deadliest year for cyclists in New York City in 10 years. And I felt like I needed to take some space off of the bike. You know, at the start of 2020, I had um, just started working on pitches for some publications, and then the pandemic hit. And this whole wild journey of Corona careers started for me when I posted a tweet that went viral <laughs> where I was offering to help people with their shopping and their groceries, because that was one of the most immediately evident ways that people who are housebound absolutely would need assistance getting their shopping done. I just want to thank you for, for having that urge and for following it and figuring out a way to go and help people. Absolutely. In my work as a courier, I've ridden through all four boroughs that I can access. So I was just already like, I can do this, you know, and I love covering miles. I'm not necessarily the fastest, but I do have endurance. It's something that I've just really cultivated over the years. And I'm capable of carrying quite a bit. So in this tweet, you know, I was like, it, I can carry up to 40 pounds of supplies because I can wow. carry about 30 pounds, give or take, in my messenger bag. And then I have a rack on my front that can take 10 pounds. 
So anyways, the tweet blew up. I started getting inundated with requests for help, which was great, but um, I quickly got overwhelmed. I found that Corona Couriers was a mutual aid organization consisting of volunteers, everybody is a volunteer, here in the city in all five boroughs that were doing exactly what I was doing, only there was a whole team. So I joined and I hit the ground running really fast. I was helping with the operations, with logistics, with dispatch, and also delivering groceries, doing the shopping, doing the deliveries myself with kind of a specialization in long haul trips. So interborough trips, And something I should say, too, is that this organization is inclusive, it's non-hierarchical, it's based on this idea of neighbors helping neighbors. We do no contact or low contact deliveries. So all of our couriers are expected to monitor their own health, sanitize the bejesus out of their hands, wear gloves sanitize those gloves while they're out shopping and wear masks. And then when we drop off the groceries, we leave them in a place, usually a vestibule in front of a door or something so that there is no face-to-face contact. We're now around 300 volunteers. It's been a very powerful experience. Not only is what you're doing inspirational, but also the being vocal about the strengths that you have as a woman, as someone who has endurance, as someone who can carry 40 pounds. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm not going to apologize or pretend that I'm not strong as hell. You know, I've, I've earned this. I think that's amazing. From listening to you, from what I know of Manhattan, I can imagine how challenging it is without a pandemic. And so I'm wondering as a bike messenger in New York City, one of the newest, biggest hotspots of this pandemic. What are some of the main challenges you're really facing on a day-to-day? Honestly, I think that one of the biggest contrasts is, you know, usually the menace is congestion and crazy drivers. And now the menace is unseen. The menace is the absence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, but it's palpable. There are less cars, um, so that on its face, like it feels maybe safer than it's ever felt to ride in New York City. But at the same time, I'm terrified of, um, I'm still terrified of getting hit. Needing medical attention for anything related to a bike accident would be bad. We're all darting around on our bikes in relatively empty streets, but the death toll is rising you know, thousands and thousands of New Yorkers. And that's, that's just, it has made it hard for me to prioritize taking care of myself. I mean, I hear ambulance sirens literally around the clock all day, every day, and silence. And it, it, it's difficult right now to kind of justify when I'm unemployed, when I live alone, when <laughs> I'm single, and there's this pandemic, it has made me kind of have almost a disregard of my own needs because the the urgency for people to get what they need is so high. But at the same time, I hit a wall with that, and I, I had to slow down the past few days. I'm so glad you did. And and part of this 
um, podcast is Kristen and I, as expressive art therapists, um, are mm-hmm. going to use the inspiration from your story to come up with a couple activities to give to you as a way of as we started this call, you said, you know, I've taken a couple of days just to take care of myself. And so my question to you is what are you doing for self-care? And then what are the challenges? I think one of my biggest challenges is that the condition self-isolation when I'm not on the bike being in service feels a lot like depression for me. It's something I've struggled with the past year. My, uh, my mental health um, really went to a dark place, kind of set off by the loss of my New York Magazine job. For me, being at home right now kind of evokes a similar feeling of me being depressed, being in active depression. So that has been hard. Then the coping mechanisms that I usually turn to, leaving my apartment, going to a museum, asking a friend to meet up for coffee, all of that is gone. What does self-care look like when New York City, as I have known it, as we have known it, is gone? I've been trying to figure that out in real time. And the answer I think that I've come to is that um, rest is just crucial. So to answer the question, what I've been trying to do is call friends, Skype dates, uh, call my grandparents, call my family, but also just give myself permission to lay down in my bed and watch really bad TV on Netflix. (laughs) Yeah. I think you make such a good point, Morgan, and you're not the first person who I've heard talk about it this way. It's almost as if you're being put back into your depression and anxiety from an external source, especially for people who, like you, had made some progress and were in different places before the pandemic. How do you stay in that place you were in when the world is such that you're physically being put in the situation that your depression and anxiety put you in when it was so active? throwing myself into the work with Corona couriers, I think it was a coping mechanism and, and still is a coping mechanism as much as it is motivated by like a sincere desire to serve my community and to help and to parlay like my good health and my privileges in service of those who are vulnerable right now. It's undeniable that one of the reasons that I just sort of clocked in from the moment that I woke up and clocked out when I went to sleep at night was that it it gave me something to grab onto that I otherwise did not have. At the same time, it has to be sustainable. I want to thank you for naming that part of why you jumped into Corona Couriers was self-care and coping. Because I think that people can sometimes get caught up in feeling guilty, like, oh, this wasn't fully altruistic. I'm doing this thing, but some of it is self-serving. And it's like, you know what? First of all, yes, please take care of yourself. And if you've found a way that taking care of yourself also helps other people, then even better bonus. So I just want to thank you for naming that. The thing that I'm realizing is that um, my experiences out on the bike covering these isolated, lonely, long miles with Mm -hmm. 40 pounds of groceries strapped to my back that are being brought to somebody who otherwise might not eat because Corona Courier, we uh, have funds available 
to shop for people that cannot afford their essentials right now. So this experience of pedaling around boroughs that are just echoing with the sensory experiences of all of this death and suffering, like, you know, I think that I'm realizing it, it is very important for me, even though I don't have a partner, I don't have anybody to speak what I'm seeing through um, in real time, I have to take some time to decompress and just turn off because I think that I'm, I'm very much grieving uh, the hopes and dreams that I've had for a while and also New York um, because I think, I think that the city is going to rebound um, because that's what New York does and the city is incredible and I love New York with every fiber of my being. And I think that New York is going to be forever changed. I think it's going to be bad before it gets better. And my heart breaks for that. You just so eloquently tell your story. Do have that experience of living and working in humanitarian settings and then coming home and having no words to describe it. And I'm just wondering, Morgan, from your experience, what that's like. I think that um, in a way it's just, and it's interesting for me as a writer, that it, it feels wordless. It, it just, it can't be explained unless you're here and you're experiencing it. But maybe in a way I'm like, maybe I should try to express this because I, I'm frightened for down south, you know, like I, I don't want this to pop off how it has in New York. But there's something like I can't, I can't put into words, at least not yet, what it's like up here because I have never lived through something like this before. First of all, thank you for trying to for this podcast, because I think that it would be an okay generalized statement for me to make to say that you're not alone in feeling that. I think a lot of people are probably afraid to share, either just don't have the words to yet because it's too hard to say in words for them, but also this sense of protecting the people who love them. My heart is so warm with gratitude and love to to watch your story and know you and you being our first guest and (laughs) just... Oh, great. Well, I'm so honored. Thank you so much. In this part of our podcast, we take inspiration from our interviewees to create easy-to-do self-care activities that any of our listeners can benefit from and use. Listening to Morgan was really incredibly inspirational. Her eloquence of describing her passion for chronic couriers, mental health, self-esteem is really quite incredible. Kristen, let's talk about what we heard from her in terms of some of the challenges she's experiencing, and let's dive into some of the self-care activities. I think the two things that stood out to me the most of the challenges she shared were first the, the inability to find words and the hesitation to share what's going on with her family members, loved ones, supports, and just how lonely that must feel. I really think we're going to see it again through many of our guests. I promise you we will get back here, but for today, what I chose to focus on was the second piece that really struck me. When she talked about this sudden 
drastic seismic shift in life that happened so quickly. But there was one morning when she woke up to what felt like a different world, and it really hasn't gone back since. There's so much grief and shock that go along with life-altering events like that. It can also be really overwhelming to try and find relief from them at all when you're still in the trauma, as so many of you still are. So I have two quick little exercises based really in the intention of releasing enough of that shock, enough of that fear for safety, enough of that grief, that it's at least hopefully not all-encompassing and you can continue to do the incredibly hard and vital work you're doing. The first is a simple breath technique. You can do it at home, walking from one patient room to another, commuting. The idea is that whenever these feelings start to come up and start to feel like they're getting in the way, that you assign them a color and you envision just for a moment that you have the power in your breath to actually blow them out of your body and mind. So every time you exhale, you let go of a little more of those feelings. If you want to take it a step further, you can envision a color for the opposite of those feelings, something you do want to feel, something that would help establish a sense of safety. So every time you inhale, then you're envisioning breathing in that color as if, again, you have the power in your breath to do the opposite and take in whatever it is you feel you need. The second is a more physical, tangible reminder. The things that kept coming up for me when Morgan talked about this immediate traumatic shift are all the thoughts that come along with that. How long will this last? I'm not safe anymore. I miss everyone I love. I miss my old life, etc. There are so many of those thoughts and they are all so valid. And the truth is getting stuck on any one of them can make it really hard to keep going. So the first step of this directive is just to find something small enough to fit somewhere on your body in a safe way while at work. If pockets are safe infection-wise for you, if it's your bra or your sock or your sneaker, somewhere you can feel it. It can be a rock. Probably don't want to put a rock in your sneaker, but you can figure that part out on your own. It can be something small that already has meaning to you. It can be a small piece of paper that you cover with strips of scotch tape or some kind of plastic to make it a little bit sturdier. And then try to ask yourself which hard to manage thought is the most present for you? Is it about the plans you had to change? Is it about when will this end? Is it about your or your family's safety? And then find a statement that helps ease that even if just for a moment. So maybe it's, I will have new plans someday. Or no matter what, everything changes, so this will not last forever. Or I'm doing everything I can to keep myself and my family safe. If you chose to use paper, you can write this reframe thought on there. If you chose a rock or some kind of trinket, just think about almost energetically making that object represent that thought. So every time you need it, you think about where it is on your body and you're reminded of that reframed version. So like I said, you're all still in this trauma. It's still happening. But if we can take these little teeny tiny moments to try and get a little bit of space from it, then hopefully when we do come out the other side, you've already taken steps towards how to start to process this. Kristen, those were really beautiful. I'm actually really excited to use those myself. Um, I don't think a rock in my shoe is a great idea, but I love the (laughs) idea of putting it in my pocket or even my bra. Just an idea of having something close 
yeah, I'm definitely stealing that idea for myself as well. So what resonated for me was her talk about her recent move from her clinical depression and clinical anxiety, and really that she had started finding a pathway to recovery. So now with COVID-19, she's back in that apartment, back in that physical space, and really her only way of physically getting out of that apartment is that she's carrying up to 40 pounds of essential things and is feeling uh, really empowered, but also that heaviness of the reality of why she's doing that and the potential threats to her own well-being are, are very present. My thought is like, how do we help her navigate bringing a different shift of thought towards her physical safe space? So my first suggestion is really simple, is to just find different places in her space where she can move a chair and maybe move artwork. And I'm, I'm talking about for Morgan, but also for everyone, anyone who's experiencing this, because I'm sure that this is a really relevant thing for many people. So maybe rearranging some artwork. I am not saying go on this huge thing of rearranging your whole apartment, house, or room. Just small things. And by doing that, you're actually telling your brain, okay, we're intentionally making this space feel more safe. We're intentionally making this space feel more comfortable. And your brain's actually going to click and say, okay, I know it's the same space that we had moments of depression, or it's the same space every single morning that we're having to, to be in. But by changing just a little bit, it's helping to tell your brain, tell your heart, tell yourself, okay, I'm intentionally making this space different so that we can start a new day with a new outlook. So my other suggestion is still based on the apartment space. I'm a huge advocate for going outside and just noticing the small things as you walk slowly down the streets. Well, so as we know, being outside is limited and can actually cause anxiety right now. And so I want to shift this idea to your living space. Doing that same thing where you intentionally just take a moment to look around and notice the small things. You could do this throughout the day and notice how maybe the light tracks different areas. If you have art supplies, you could even create art based off what you're noticing. It doesn't have to be a literal picture of what you're seeing, but maybe using color to express how that small little space feels to you in that moment. And my last suggestion is really setting up spaces for different moods. Even in the smallest New York apartment, you can do this. So maybe you have a chair that is really comfortable. And so maybe that chair is where you connect with people on Zoom or Skype or on FaceTime. That's where you sit for a moment and breathe in gratitude and you notice the sturdiness of your four walls and the ground that's supporting you. And then for, say, let's give an example of grief or overwhelm or sadness, maybe there's a spot where you can comfortably wrap yourself in a blanket, put some pillows down the floor, and just feel that for a moment. And then when you're ready, you put the pillows back, you put the blanket back, and you go about your day. But your brain's going to now know, okay, I have a space 
to feel this when I need to feel it. And that space can be moved out when I'm not in that place where I want to feel that. I think it is so powerful to be using what they have, but reframing it and repurposing it. Yeah. And it's, it's a way of looking at what do we have control over right now? And so it's these small things. It doesn't have to be big gestures, but your brain is going to catch on to that intentionality that you're putting out there. And it's, it's going to follow suit if you commit to creating that space for yourself. You know, I feel like with, with your suggestions of that breathing and, and more of that internal control, and then with the suggestions of that external control, like creating your space, I do feel like these are some great activities to start on really inspired by Morgan. Thank you for listening to Finding the Helpers, presented by Plain to Live. Don't forget to reach out at info at plaintolive.org. With any ideas of what you want to hear, if you want to be a guest, or if you know someone who would. There will be a link to our blog in the description of every episode, where you can find more information about our speakers and the activities we suggested. Tune in every Tuesday for a new interview, and make sure you subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, so you can get up-to-date alerts on what we are doing. And you can find out more about Plain to Live at www.plaintolive.org. And a special thank you to Josh Carter for our theme music. Until next time, stay safe out there. Mm-hmm.